Mac Folklore Radio, read by Derek. The Steve Jobs Roller Coaster by John Carmack, published on Facebook, May 2018. My wife once asked me, Why do you drop what you're doing when Steve Jobs asks you to do something? You don't do that for anyone else. It's worth thinking about. As a teenage Apple computer fan, Jobs and Wozniak were revered figures for me, and wanting an Apple II was a defining characteristic of several years of my childhood. Later on, seeing Next at a computer show just as I was selling my first commercial software felt like a vision into the future. But at more than $10,000, yikes. As id Software grew successful through Commander Keen and Wolfenstein 3D, the first major personal purchase I made wasn't a car, but rather a Next computer. It turned out to be genuinely valuable for our software development, and we moved the entire company onto Next hardware. We loved our Nexts, and we wanted to launch Doom with an explicit Developed on Next Computers logo during the startup process, but when we asked, the request was denied. Sometime after launch, when Doom had begun to make its cultural mark, we heard that Steve had changed his mind and would be happy to have Next branding on it, but that ship had sailed. I did think it was cool to trade a few emails with Steve Jobs. Several things over the years made me conclude that, at his core, Steve didn't think very highly of games and always wished they weren't as important to his platforms as they turned out to be. I never took it personally. When Next managed to sort of reverse-acquire Apple and Steve was back in charge, I was excited by the possibilities of a resurgent Apple with the virtues of Next in a mainstream platform. I was brought in to talk about the needs of games in general, but I made it my mission to get Apple to adopt OpenGL as their 3D graphics API. I had a lot of arguments with Steve. Part of his method, at least with me, was to deride contemporary options and dare me to tell him differently. They might be pragmatic, but couldn't be any good. I have Pixar. We'll make an API that's actually good. It was often frustrating because he could talk with complete confidence about things he was just plain wrong about, like the price of memory for video cards and the amount of system bandwidth exploitable by the G4's Altivec extensions. But when I knew what I was talking about, I would stand my ground against anyone. When Steve did make up his mind, he was decisive about it. Dictates were made, companies were acquired, keynotes were scheduled, and the reality distortion field kicked in, making everything else that was previously considered into obviously terrible ideas. I consider this one of the biggest indirect impacts on the industry that I've had. OpenGL never seriously threatened Direct 3D on Windows, but it was critical at Apple and that meant that it remained enough of a going concern to be the clear choice when mobile devices started getting GPUs. While long in the tooth now, it was so much better than what we would have gotten if half a dozen system-on-chip vendors rolled their own 3D graphics APIs back at the dawn of the mobile age. I wound up doing several keynotes with Steve, and it was always a crazy fire drill with not enough time to do things right and generally requiring heroic effort from many people to make it happen at all. 
I tend to think this was also a calculated part of his method. My first impression of Keynote Steve was him berating the poor stagehands over this Home Depot sh** that was rolling out the display stand with the new Mac, very much not to his satisfaction. His complaints had a valid point, and he improved the quality of the presentation by caring about details, but I wouldn't have wanted to work for him in that capacity. One time, my wife, then fiancé, and I were meeting with Steve at Apple, and he wanted me to do a keynote that happened to be scheduled on the same day as our wedding. With a big smile and full of charm, he suggested that we postpone it. We declined, but he kept pressing. Eventually, my wife countered with a suggestion that if he really wanted her John so much, he should loan Pixar's John Lasseter to her media company for a day of consulting. Steve went from full charm to ice cold really damn quick. I didn't do that keynote. John Carmack, the co-founder of id. John got married today. And this guy is so great, he offered to postpone his wedding to be here. And we said, no way. We'll make a video. And he said, I never thought of that. And so we have a video of John Carmack here uh, that I'd like to show you. And he is on some tropical island now. I think by now probably married. When I was preparing an early technology demo of Doom 3 for a keynote in Japan, I was having a hard time dealing with some of the managers involved that were insisting that I change the demo because Steve doesn't like blood. I knew that Doom 3 wasn't to his taste, but that wasn't the point of doing the demo. I brought it to Steve with all the relevant people on the thread. He replied to everyone with, I trust you, John. Do whatever you think is great. That goes a long way, and nobody said a thing after that. I'm going to open it up on a brand new iMac. Great sound system. Subwoofer sounds just like that. <laughs> Prepare yourself. Here we are, David versus Phil. Now before I hit play with David, I gotta go make sure I have a few good things. Protection. Three, Look at this playback. One, fight. I've turned on vertex lighting, 32-bit graphics. <laughs> and David works for me so he knows he won't shoot. So this is a kill-free demo, the graphics are amazing, playing airport on a Rage 128 wirelessly, no one else in the world can offer that. Thank you. When my wife and I later started building games for feature phones, like Doom RPG and Orcs and Elves, I advocated repeatedly to Steve that an Apple phone could be really great. Every time there was a rumor that Apple might be working on a phone, I would refine the pitch to him. Once, he called me at home on a Sunday, how did he even get my number, to ask a question, and I enthused at length about the possibilities. I never got brought into the fold, but I was excited when the iPhone actually did see the light of day. A giant, for the time, true-color display with a GPU. We could do some amazing things with this. Steve first talked about application development for iPhone at the same keynote I was demonstrating the new ID Tech 5 rendering engine on the Macintosh, 
so I was in the front row. When he started going on about web applications, I was going, reasonably quietly, Boo! To expand the capabilities of iPhone by letting developers write great apps for it, and yet keep the iPhone reliable and secure. And we've come up with a very sweet solution. You can write amazing Web 2.0 and Ajax apps that look exactly and behave exactly like apps on the iPhone. After the public cleared out and the rest of us were gathered in front of the stage, I started urgently going on about how web applications are terrible and would not show the true potential of the device. We could do so much more with real native access. Steve responded with a line he had used before. Bad applications could bring down cell phone towers. I hated that line. He could have just said, we aren't ready, and that would have been fine. I was making some guesses, but I argued that the iPhone hardware and software provided sufficient protection for native applications. I pointed at a nearby engineer and said, don't you have a memory management unit and process isolation on the iPhone now? He had a wide-eyed look of, don't bring me into this. But I eventually got a yes out of him. I said that OS X was surely being used for things that were more security critical than a phone, and if Apple couldn't provide enough security there, they had bigger problems. He came back with a snide, You're a smart guy, John. Why don't you write a new operating system? At the time, my thought was, F*** you, Steve. People were backing away from us. If Steve was mad, Apple employees did not want him to associate the sight of them with the experience. Afterwards, one of the execs assured me that Steve appreciates vigorous conversation. Still deeply disappointed about it, I made some comments that got picked up by the press. Steve did not appreciate that. The Steve Jobs hero shithead roller coaster was real, and after riding high for a long time, I was now on the downside. Someone told me that Steve explicitly instructed them not to give me access to the early iPhone software development kit when it was finally ready. I wound up writing several successful iPhone applications on the side, all of which are now gone due to dropping 32-bit support, which saddens me, and I had many strong allies inside Apple. But I was on the outs with Steve. The last iOS product I worked on was Rage, which I thought set a new bar for visual richness on a mobile game, and also supported some brand new features like TV output. I heard that it was well received inside Apple. I was debriefing the team after the launch when I got a call. I was busy, so I declined it. A few minutes later, someone came in and said that Steve Jobs was going to call me. Oops. Everyone had a chuckle about me hanging up on Steve Jobs, but that turned out to be my last interaction with him. As the public story of his failing health progressed, I started several emails to try and say something meaningful and positive to part on, but I never got through them, and I regret it. I corroborate many of the negative character traits that he was infamous for, but elements of the path that led to where I am today were contingent on the dents he left in the universe. I showed up for him. And so we have a video of John Carmack here uh, that I'd like to show you. And he is on some tropical island now. I think by now probably married. 
It was a year ago, just about today, that I, Apple announced that they were going to be supporting the OpenGL on the operating system, and we announced that we were going to be doing simultaneous development for our current project on the Macintosh platform. Apple's now shipping accelerated OpenGL on every single platform, and we've shipped our game now, and it works well pretty much across the board, and I'm quite happy with how that's gone. What we've got with OSX uh, is a fully modern operating system that has really the best elements that we find on a wide variety of Unix platforms, and it still has the, the user-friendliness and the environment that Macintosh users are used to. Quake 3 will continue to be supported on the existing Apple platforms throughout its entire lifetime. We've got updates and modifications coming along you know, through the course of next year, but our next new product development that we start on uh, but the Macintosh is going to be deployed exclusively on OS X. There's just too many things that I look forward to in moving to that environment. Thanks again for tuning in to Mac Folklore Radio. I appreciate all the lovely reviews you've left on the iTunes podcast directory. If you have a story request, or you'd just like to talk about old Mac stuff, you can reach me by email at Derek, that's D-E-R-E-K, at MacFolkloreRadio.com. Thanks for listening.